This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now to break down the Sooners and the Cougars and look ahead to Oklahoma State and BYU's final chance at a bowl game is the ESPN College Football Analyst and Insider National Champion Trevor Maddich. Trevor, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. How would you summarize what you witnessed from BYU football in an almost upset of the Sooners? It was encouraging. I mean, we saw what BYU can be in this conference. They played with tremendous energy. They played with physicality. They did almost everything they needed to do right to pull off the win against a team that, that from a roster standpoint and an injury standpoint, notwithstanding the injury to their quarterback, but overall injuries, they shouldn't have been this close to, and yet they were in position to win it. And I think this should give a lot of encouragement to not just the fans, but the players themselves in that locker room who have had a pretty miserable time most of the time in Big 12 play. They see for themselves the fruit is on the tree. They can do it in this league. They just need to fix the problems. The run game showed up for the first time, and it was awesome as BYU goes north of 200 yards. Still haven't hit the 400-yard mark on offense. But what changed offensively to get the run game going? Yeah, a couple of things. I think it starts at the top with Coach Satake. We saw him the last couple of weeks in his full magnificence as a fullback <laughs> when he played here. And, you know, the the fire in his eyes, the fire in his voice, uh, I, I think that's probably been there behind the scenes. We saw it now overtly, and the public can see that th this this is a coach who, who can bring the energy and bring the passion. And I think that that fed into – the offensive line and the running back, especially Aiden Robbins. I mean, it, it was amazing. So that's one of the things that happened. I thought they, they fed off the energy of their head coach. The The offensive line blocked quite well. They did a really good job. And they were able, because of J uh, Jake Retzloff, they were able to run zone reads more often and more effectively, which tends to help uh, the offensive line because now you don't have to block everybody. You can leave one guy unblocked, which gives you an extra blocker at the point of attack. And all those things, I think, added up to putting them in a good position. Now, what, what position was that? It was to convert third and fourth down. I mean, they had they were three for three on fourth down. They were uh, just under 50% combined third and fourth down. So they kept converting, which kept the Oklahoma defense on the field at altitude, and it gave the the play-calling brain staff, I mean, Aaron, Rod Aaron, Aaron Roderick, and anybody inputting the play calling more opportunities because now you get a new set of downs and then a new set of downs and you're converting third downs and you're moving the chains and the defense is getting gassed and it's working the way it's supposed to be working. You put all those things together and all of a sudden, hey, BYU could run the ball, but they've got to put all those things together like they did against Oklahoma. Trevor Maddich of ESPN is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, does this qualify as just a full-on moral victory in your mind? I think for fans, it's it's fair to be really encouraged by it. The players and coaches will not see it as a moral victory. They will see the things that could have been that should have made it an actual scoreboard victory. But the way things have been the last couple of weeks where BYU wasn't competitive, I think it's fair to say that that this is a huge step in the right direction. There's a lot to be encouraged about based on what happened here. Moral victories, you know, it depends on who you ask. 
But if you ask me as somebody from the outside looking in as both a, an analyst and a fan, I saw so many good things here. If you wanted to find that as a moral victory, okay. But really what it is is a step in the right direction. What is better for BYU in terms of who plays at quarterback, assuming that both are completely healthy? Because Keaton Slovis takes care of the ball, but he doesn't have the run game element like Jake Retzloff, whose first three, power, first three starts in D1 are Power 5 games in conference and against good teams, so it's been tough. Jake turns the ball over, but he's dynamic. What's the better option for BYU as they try and win one game on the road to get to a bowl game? I still think Keaton Slovis is the best option, if healthy. And it's nothing against Jake. He has a bright future. If it weren't for his performance, BYU would not have been close enough to have might have won that game against Oklahoma. So I don't, I don't take anything away from him. I don't point the finger at Jake Retzloff. Even though he made some mistakes in terms of turnovers, he did a phenomenal job that kept him close enough that those mistakes actually mattered instead of just piling on to other things. But Keaton Slovis has a better feel for the offense. He has a better feel for big road games and how to deal with adversity and how to distribute the ball and get the rest of the playmakers engaged. And he understands what needs to happen to avoid some of those big mistakes. You know, when I looked at that pick six, um, what I saw was they had run the ball BYU successfully. Bam, bam, bam. Aiden Robbins, just a pile driver down inside the five. And then, on that pick six, the Oklahoma defense was scrambling to get lined up. And Jake looked to the left, I think, pre-snap and saw that there was the guy over the receiver in the slot who came flying in to the end of the line because it looked like he was in the wrong spot. What I don't think he saw was that there was another defender who was flying out to take his place. They were all messed up with their assignments, and it looked like the receiver just running inside the goal line uh, and taking a quick pass would be open. But that's the kind of thing that a young quarterback will see one of those guys, but not both. Whereas a guy like Keaton Slovis has a better chance to see them both and have a chance not just to make a positive play, but to avoid a negative one. Again, I think Jake is one of the reasons that they were in such a good position to win it. But I think for this game against Oklahoma State, if fully healthy, Keaton Slovis still gives them the best chance to win. Trevor Maddich of ESPN on BYU Sports Nation. Is it Jake Retzloff's dynamic nature that finally opened up the run game, or is it offensive line playing better, or is there some other element there, Trevor? You know, it's a combination of all those things, and I think they all add up to belief. I mean, Coach Satake with, with his fire, and if you could have played, he would have. And I'll tell you what, I would hate to be on the other side of the line from him when he played and now if he suited up. But then the offensive line firing off the ball and sustaining blocks like they did. Aiden Robbins just being a bulldozer. I mean, it was a joy to watch him run. Jake Retzloth stretching that defense because another thing that a mobile quarterback forces the defense to do is stay wide. Frontside contained and backside contained both have to stay a little wider and have to stay home a little longer because that quarterback might bootleg out to the backside or he might burst out to the wide to the front side. And so the defense has to compensate, which creates natural gaps inside, which helps the offensive line. All that creates confidence. And then when you string together those first downs and you start to have longer drives and the defense starts to get tired and they can't substitute, all of a sudden it all comes together and you believe because the BYU running game hasn't had a whole lot to hang their hat on to say, okay, we believe we can do this because the fruit hasn't been on the tree. Well, now the fruit is on the tree. Now they see how to do it. We've talked all year 
about how it seems like guys just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to run block. They don't know how to be successful as a running team. Now they have seen what it's like to be successful, and I think that's a, a super positive thing. Hey, we can all relate to fruit. Tree of life, uh, Alma, we get that analogy. That's awesome. Okay, turnovers are a huge deal, obviously, for this BYU team and most football teams. BYU against Power 5 competition, plus 8 in wins, minus 11 in losses. What was the bigger deal on Saturday, the fact that the defense didn't get any takeaways or that the offense gave it up three times, twice in uh, negative territory, and one was terminal? It was the offense giving it up. Even though the defense didn't give any, didn't get any takeaways, the defense still did a really, really good job. The defense put them in position to win. It was the offensive giveaways that were the difference. And and this is something else that we've talked about all year about how BYU needs to win in the Big Twelve. They need to play cleaner. They need to win the turnover battle, win the penalty battle, which they did not. They had seven penalties. Oklahoma had six. These are things that add up and create the environment for the other team to be able to jump on top. And then BYU has to somehow find a way to come back. And with so many injuries, it's kind of hard for them to make as many plays as they need to make to to come back when they start to fall behind. We saw that the previous several weeks. And so giving it away is fundamental to football. And BYU's prime directive is do the fundamentals better than the other side. Make them defeat you instead of giving them gifts to make it easier to do things. And so, um, you know, I, I the, the mistakes were made, the turnovers were made because guys were trying. They were trying probably too hard to do too much. And when you do that, you get a little sloppy with the ball because you see opportunity that you want to take advantage of. And then that ball comes out or that ball gets picked. But that is one of the things that needs to turn around in order for them to win games like this. Trevor, a double-barreled question to end, and it deals with what's going to happen at Oklahoma State for BYU. First, what kind of a chance do you give BYU to win in Stillwater with the Cowboys playing for a spot in the Big 12 championship game? And secondly, if BYU does not win and don't go to a bowl game, is this season somehow considered a failure? Well, let's start with that one. Uh, I would say uh, it's not a failure. It's disappointing because I think BYU fans and the players and coaches themselves expected to get the six wins. And if they don't get the six win, it will be disappointing. But it's not a failure. And I think it's easy when it's easy. When it's hard, like it has been, especially in, in the last several weeks, that's where you see what you're made of. And BYU in coming back and playing Oklahoma like they did showed not just Oklahoma, not just their fans, but they showed themselves, hey, this is what we're made of. This is what we can be. And that's a triumph right there. How do you deal with adversity? Because you don't want adversity. You want it to be a party the whole time. But what do you do about adversity? That's a success right there. The Oklahoma State game, uh, BY, or excuse me, ESPN's Football Power Index, FPI, gives BYU an 18% chance to win this game at Oklahoma State. But it was a lot lower than that against Oklahoma, and they almost pulled that one off. Oklahoma State is is a team that can be really hot or really cold. The thing that you need to do with them uh, is make sure that you first slow down Ollie Gordon the second, their running back. You know, in the early in the season, Oklahoma State really struggled. And then they decided, you know, we're just going to give this guy the ball 20-plus times a game, and all of a sudden they started ripping off win after win after win. So you've got to slow him down. And the second thing is Oklahoma State's defense – 
has struggled in recent weeks to hold down the score and to hold down the yards. And so BYU can see an opening where they can move the ball as long as they don't turn it over and have penalties and have the, the negative plays that stop drives and string things together. So Oklahoma is a game, Oklahoma State is a game that BYU can win, but it would be a quality win because Oklahoma State is a team that still has a lot to play for, and they are very talented. Anytime Trevor Maddich is on the show, it's a party. That alone contained. Trevor, thanks for joining us and for the insight as BYU tries to get to six wins at Oklahoma State. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Don't stop believing, Jerem. Welcome back to Studio B. In what? I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. And the Cougars' chances to go and beat Oklahoma State. They can do it. They can do it. Totally do it. Let's roll out today's headlines. BYU football loses to number 14, Oklahoma, 31-24, 5-6 on the year, 2-6 in Big 12 play. Cougars ran for a season high, 217 by Aiden Robbins, 182 yards Go. on the ground. But the Cougars lost the turnover battle 3-0, including a 100-yard pick six that proved to be the difference. BYU's last chance to get bowl eligible at Oklahoma State Saturday. It'll be at 3.30 Eastern on ABC. Pre-game coverage begins at 1.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Ready. On to Cougars in the NFL. Zach Wilson completed 7 of 15 passes for 81 yards with a touchdown and an interception before he was benched in the third quarter in a 32-6 loss to the Bills. Zach was also sacked five times. It didn't get better once he was benched. Fred Warner with another monster game on his 27th birthday, no less. 12 tackles, two pass breakups, a half sack, and a forced fumble in a 49ers 27-14 win over the Bucks. Puka Nakua back to his usual self. Five passes, 70 yards receiving. He caught and his third touchdown of the season as the Rams rally to beat Jerem Seahawks 17-16. Yeah, Seahawks missed field goal at the buzzer. Sion Takitaki had five tackles in a PBU for the Browns in a 13-10 win over the Steelers. Michael Davis had three tackles in a PBU for the Chargers. Zane Anderson attacked for the Packers. 23-20 win over said Chargers. And Kyra Stone had two tackles for the Vikings in a 21-20 loss to the Broncos on Sunday night. Women's soccer into the Elite Eight after yeah. beating Michigan State 3-1 on Saturday night. They advance in the bracket. The Spartans scored first early in the second half, and then Brecken Mozingo just absolutely took over. Scored on a PK before scoring this beauty in the 60th minute. Mozingo to her left, the shot. The goal! Brecken Mozingo with the brace, and the Cougars take the 2-1 lead. A uh, fun fact, she was playing through an injury. She's, really? She's unbelievable. Well then. Ellie Walbrook added a third goal off a header as the Cougars win by two. Up next, they host North Carolina in a rematch of the Elite Eight showdown 11 years ago in 2012 when BYU was last the number one seed. A lot of strange parallels yep. there. Yep, yep. Southfield Friday night. Men's basketball beat Morgan State 93-50 Saturday night to move 4-0 on the season. Four players in double figures led by Jackson Robinson with 19, Foose at 17, Noah Waterman, BYU career high 15, Richie Saunders 12 off the bench. BYU shot 77% on twos. Up next, Vegas Showcase starting with Arizona State Thanksgiving night at midnight Eastern. Go. Feast, Cougs! 
Women's basketball also still unbeaten on the season. They beat Wake Forest in a game you called, Jim, 67-44. Yeah, somehow I made it to Laia. That's weird. <laughs> was, it a, was it a quick trip? <laughs> BYU led by Kaylee Woolston, who scored 18 points. He was 7 of 10 from the field. She's an elite shooter, 4 of 6 from 3. 52% on the season from the three-point line is Wilson. Lauren Gustin, 13 points, 22 rebounds, ho-hum, to help the Cougars to improve to 4-0. Up next, game number two at the Hawaii North Shore Showcase tomorrow when BYU faces St. Louis. Number 13, women's volleyball. <sighs> Dropped its first home match of the season to number 17, Kansas. Dang it! It's on Friday on senior night. It was a tough one. Kansas is good. BYU didn't play very well. Aaron Livingston, 21 kills. BYU 22-6, third place. In the Big 12 at 11-5, number 15 in the RPI. Cougars play at West Virginia Wednesday, TCU Saturday. Selection Sunday, hopefully BYU's top 16 and host the first and second round. Third-ranked men's cross-country racing at the NCAA Nationals in Earliesville, Virginia last Saturday. The men placed third overall. Earliesville? Mm-hmm. It's the real place? They were not late. <laughs> Get out of here, anchor boy. The men placed third overall for their eighth consecutive Top 10 finish, had two runners earn All-American status. Freshman James Corgan took 32nd overall and Kenneth Rooks, who finished 35th overall. Rooks becoming the first BYU runner to win an outdoor track national title and earn All-American honors in cross country in the same season since Ed Isom did it back in 1984. Shout out to Cisco Tran Waite, who is my neighbor now. Number three, women's cross country also competed at nationals. Took 14th overall, eighth straight season in the top 15. Certainly they were hoping for a better finish there. Aubrey Frontaway earned her fourth career All-American honor, finished 14th overall. Now the second most decorated women's cross-country athlete at BYU ever, second only to five-time All-American Elizabeth Jackson. Woo Let's go. We saved the best for last. And our final headline, BYU men's soccer wins their fourth straight yeah. and 12th overall national championship over the weekend. Two-nothing win over Virginia Tech. Well done, gentlemen. I, that's five in six years. That's, uh, you know, no one scored a goal on BYU, and they have a 73-game unbeaten streak. Can we make them a real sport at BYU? It's time. Real, real is harsh. An NCAA sanctioned sport. Yes. I would love that. With the Southfield in play, can you imagine? Oh. Paging Salt Lake. Yes. Please. What please. women's sport are you adding please, is the please. question. Yeah. That's true. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Maybe lacrosse. it's lacrosse. Yep. Yeah. Cougar Whip Round presented by Mary. But Maris. then Men's Lacrosse wants it. Yeah. <laughs> Your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Yesterday, Zach Wilson was pulled in the third quarter of the Jets game. Is this the beginning of the end for Zacharias? It feels like it, unfortunately. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers coming back and maybe like again taking Zach under his wing and lobbying for Zach with the New York Jets staff would have an impact. I feel like that's the only way he stays in New York is if Aaron Rodgers says, no, 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 no. He got put in a terrible situation behind a terrible offensive line, which it is. Is he going to say that out loud about his teammates though? I'm saying like behind closed doors. If he vouched for Zach and was like, come on, you cannot judge him based on the offensive line. That we had. The offensive line in front of Aaron Rodgers is what got him injured. Three plays into the season. Anyway, uh, it would take Aaron Rodgers vouch vouching for him. No, he was being sacked as it happened. Yeah, not, not surprisingly. Outside of that, it kind of feels like Zach's maybe done in New York. I, I said when he got drafted, I didn't think he was going to overcome New York. And, uh, you know, Zach hasn't played well. The Jets haven't played well. He's shown flashes, right? Had flashes. he gone to the Niners, I think that Kyle Shanahan could have molded him in a different way. But unfortunately, this was super predictable. 
And it's a bummer, so Zach. BYU men's basketball. Let's take this conversation into a lighter level, shall we? The Cougar Hoopsters are number 15 in the Ken Palm rankings. How about that? What in the world? Their highest since the end of 2020 when BYU was a top 10 Ken Palm team. Jeremy, has BYU already reached the peak of the men's basketball season? Perhaps. Uh, so just a reminder, Ken Palm's not an opinion. It's a metric. BYU dictates this by how they play. It's offensive efficiency minus defensive efficiency. So if you score more points per 100 than you allow and you go way high, you can go up. It's up to BYU and how they play, what they do in here. Ken Palm just crunches the numbers. Um, you're playing Arizona State and then NC State or Vandy. 15 might be the high, I don't know. Um, being efficient, it, it helps when you're playing Morgan State and not like Arizona State, who's top 100 team. My retort to that would be, look at what BYU did against the likes of Idaho State and South Dakota last year. Teams that were like Morgan State and Houston Christian in metrics. But like, are you going teams. to get higher than this, playing better teams this week? I would argue no. BYU, strangely, awesome. is, is the favorite to win this tournament now. Yeah. Like, that, that's amazing, right? Going yeah. into the season, we did not think that would be the There's case. There's no top 50 team in this, except for BYU. As far as Ken Palm goes, it's going to be tougher to climb higher than number 15. But as far as the peak emotionally, if BYU comes home from Las Vegas unscathed and they go 2-0 and they're 6-0, they're probably in the top 25 and then there is a new peak right there. They might be in today. I, I don't know. But wow. next week they would be, right? Do you like the women's soccer matchup with North Carolina or were you hoping for a rematch with Texas Tech? I wanted a rematch with Texas Tech. I wanted BYU to have their vengeance tour once again to get to the College Cup to handle the Red Raiders because BYU didn't win the Big 12 regular season. They didn't win the Big 12 tournament. And this kind of felt like, okay, if they can beat Texas Tech in the NCAA tournament, then that rectifies all of that. They're like, ha, we're the last team standing. We beat you head to head in the Elite Eight. Now we're in the College Cup. They can already say that. Over. North Carolina, I feel like matchup wise, is a more difficult scenario for BYU to defend. I feel like they're, they're more skilled offensively. And BYU's had some breakdowns in the back this season against teams like North Carolina, so I'm a little, I feel a little trepidation here. But show up, show out, ladies get it done. And they, they can exercise some demons against North Carolina, a team that's knocked them out of the tournament a couple of times, right? Yeah. Uh, was it last year and then, of course, 2012? 2012. No, I want UNC, man. Want I them. want one of the Blue Bloods, if not the best program okay. in NCAA history, North Carolina. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who hates no Thanksgiving food. Or does he? Jerem Jordan. Yeah, I don't know that there's one that I'm just full of uh, gratitude. Uh, so no, I, I don't. I don't think I hate a Thanksgiving food, but according to terrible maps on X, uh, <laughs> Utah doesn't like green bean casserole. What Utah? Would, this can't be accurate. It's a casserole in Utah. This is a casserole town and uh, state. So yeah, uh, who doesn't like turkey? Oregon and Idaho and Vermont. That's weird. Uh, cranberry sauce, no go for uh, Texas, California, Washington, Florida, Georgia, Michigan. I've never been more in line what? with Texas. I no, am not a cranberry no sauce cran person. Yeah, it's pretty tart, right? It's just like not I, for me. It's not, I've yeah. never understood the whole cranberry sauce craze at Thanksgiving. Like, I love the zo uh, zombie song, but, I, you know, that's the only cranberry thing I love, I guess. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I can't get on board for cranberry sauce. I've tried multiple times. Can't do it. You don't have to. This is America. You know who absolutely disagrees with the whole green bean casserole being the most hated food in the state of Utah at Thanksgiving? Is BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope. On the postgame show on Saturday night, I asked him about his favorite Thanksgiving foods, and this came up. I rarely make it to dessert because I eat so much green bean casserole. I'm sorry, what? It's his you number one. You rarely make he, it to dessert? He doesn't eat dessert because wow. of the green bean casserole. That's the other extreme here. Now, I should add the caveat that it's his wife Leanne's specific dish and her specialty, apparently, in the Pope home. Nice. So you got that. That's All nice. right. Uh, anybody hungry? I am. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. There's only one way to celebrate Thanksgiving Eve on BYU Sports Nation and do so appropriately in what's trending, and that is to take topics surrounding BYU sports and in a way related to Thanksgiving food. And so we're asking the question, is this topic or BYU sports thing good as is, or does it need a great some gravy a lot of gravy yeah, yeah. i need gravy, gravy on a lot of okay. things uh huge brown gravy fan all right let's start with this one keaton slovis starting at quarterback at oklahoma state does this need gravy or is it good as is jerem freaking love gravy dude uh yes it needs gravy it needs a run game mm. and it needs explosiveness okay keaton uh has had some moments where he's been really good but he hasn't uh, he's, he's thrown for sub 500, five, uh, 200 yards, five times. He hasn't been north of 160 efficiency versus any FBS team. But hey, two touchdown passes versus four power fives, and those were part of wins, right? Keaton Slovis was the guy when BYU got out to the 4-1, and 5-2 and two start. Yeah. And that experience and that quality uh, on short fields because BYU was taking the ball away in those wins uh, was good. But... You have to be able to run the ball with Keaton. We have not seen this combination yet, a Keaton-Slovis run offense where he is good in the pass game, good enough, right? Um, but no run game there. So, yeah, I would say there, there is some gravy required there. Okay. Put this little turkey feather in your cap, all right? Keaton-Slovis, while he was healthy, unbeaten. Unbeaten as the BYU starting quarterback. I know, Sam Houston, Southern Utah. But did beat Arkansas on the road and was very opportunistic. And more importantly, he, I mean – he typically just takes really good care of the ball. And you said it. He was the quarterback in BYU's 4-1 and one and 5-2. Yeah. and two. I know yeah. that the schedule was different, and it was not nearly as difficult in the front seven as it has been in the last four games and certainly won't be in the back five. But Keaton Slovis is pretty good as is. However, there are a few dry bits of turkey in there, and you just need gravy to compensate for that. I don't really like turkey without gravy. So you're just it's gravy just dry. Just straight yeah, up. I just need straight. I might just consume straight gravy, like just drink it. Okay. So I'm with Taco you. Taco Bell mild sauce, A1 sauce. Oh. I said it yesterday, uh, and I, I hope that the gravy is good, but the gravy has to be BYU's offensive line, not only doing well in pass protection if Keaton Slovis is the quarterback, but finally establishing a, a competent run game if yeah. he is the quarterback. Are they capable of doing that? There were a few moments, a few – 
splash plays with L.J. Martin, but for the most part, it's been, a, it's been a stagnant running game when Keaton Slovis has been the quarterback. So the yeah. gravy to me is, can the offensive line protect and get that thing going if he's the QB? And then you got to be explosive. Like, you can't just – like, if Keaton Slovis comes in, you got to be pushing the ball down the field. Let's go. Okay, Jake Retzloff, a starting quarterback. Does it need gravy? Listen, he's got a cornucopia of talents, Jerem. Okay. I just saw the Hunger Games prequel. Pretty good. <laughs> Speaking of quarterback. <laughs> He's got a lot of good things going for him. Yeah. But the gravy here, this might be, uh, <laughs> yeah, it needs gravy in the form of taking care of the ball. Totally. You just you can't turn the ball over five times, especially when the defense isn't creating turnovers. And yeah. it's been a minus six turnover differential in the last two games for BYU. Woof. Against Iowa State and Oklahoma. And Jake has been himself responsible for five of those turnovers, three alone against Oklahoma. Just take away one of those turnovers against the Sooners, especially the pick six. You take away the pick six on the one-yard line, I believe with my heart of hearts that BYU is bowl eligible and six and four, and the Oklahoma State game is, wait for it, all gravy. It doesn't matter what happens yeah. at that point. Yeah. But we are here. So the gravy to me clearly is, yeah, you got to sprinkle on uh, ball security there, uh, pour on ball security there, if you will. Yeah. yeah, it needs gravy. you got to take care of the ball. If you want to lose, give it away. That, unfortunately, has been an overwhelming trend for BYU football all season long. Okay, next question. BYU's run game, as we saw it against Oklahoma specifically, does this need any gravy if it continues on against Oklahoma State? The gravy was Jake Retzloff because he gained 59 yards. He also lost 30 yards. There were, you know, sacks in there and whatnot. Uh... So he, is, he was the gravy. Um, if you start Keaton Slovis, you lose that element. Um, I, I believe that you need to start Jake Retzloff just because it gives you the best shot. BYU's best game played, you could argue, is Arkansas. You could also argue it was last week. Uh, I believe, uh, I, well, everyone believes Oklahoma much better than Arkansas. Let's just say it was Oklahoma, BYU's best performance. You start that same guy. All right. And you've had the continuity of the offense and the play calling and the line used to Jake. You start Jake, and you have, a, you have a shot against Oklahoma State. If you start Keaton, you also have a shot, but you're just limiting the run game a little bit. If you want BYU's run game to look like it did against Oklahoma, and it continues against Oklahoma State, I, honestly, I don't think it needs any great. I think just as is, as currently constituted, Aiden Robbins went for 182 against Oklahoma. Now, here's the deal. Yeah, I know you don't like the turnovers from Jake Retzloff. Who does? But... When he is the quarterback, automatically, because you have to respect his ability to run the ball, there are one or two fewer defenders in the box. By necessity, you, just, you can't stack the box against Jake Retzloff with that BYU run game. You have to protect the edges. And so guess what works? Middle zone for Aiden Robbins to run off huge chunks. So if the offensive line does their job and gets a block, he finds a gap and goes for 25 yards, which we saw him do multiple times against Oklahoma. Yeah, you well, it's guys, worked in one game. You want guys outside yeah. of the box? Then you start Jake Retzloff at quarterback. And if it shows up like it did against Oklahoma, I, I mean, I'm not going to ask for more. I'm good. That's a perfectly cooked, tender, melt-in-your-mouth type turkey yeah. right there. So I yeah. need no gravy in that regard. Who are you calling turkey? The BYU defense showed, uh, showed up against Oklahoma. Does it need gravy against Oklahoma State? I think you're going to agree with me on this one. Yes. It needs a, a, yeah. a pinch of salt in the gravy. The gravy is a little bland uh, in the form of forcing a turnover. BYU's defense needs to come up with a big play in, 
at some point against Oklahoma, especially on the road. It needs to be multiple, Spence. Uh, it might need to be two or three. Jaron, BYU's 0-6 when they lose the turnover margin yeah. and 5-0 and when they win the turnover margin. Can it get more plain than that? Yeah, well, I mean, you can say, you can say, uh, you know, 0-6 when you, yeah, just you don't win the turn. Like, there, there was a tie against TCU, but that had nothing to do with the margin. Yeah. By the way, TCU has a losing record. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't believe it comes down to one takeaway. I, I think it might have to be like three, dude. It might have to be a bunch. Like, this BYU offense is not good enough to overcome just a straight-up fight with Oklahoma State. Like, I wish they were. They need takeaways. Yes, that is the gravy. Yeah, for they the need defense. takeaways. And I'm not trying to bash on the offense. I'm saying that's the formula for how BYU has won this year, so do it. Okay. It was pretty good. I mean, the defense was pretty good against Oklahoma. They did, they did some nice things. They were physical. It was they, good enough to keep you in the game. Like, you gave up 31, right? The, the giveaways didn't help sure. you. But, like, yeah, they, they play all things considered, yes. But Let, let's you, can, say, you, can't, you can't put 31 up on the board and be like, everything's great. It's like, no, you got you got to be low 20s to give this well, offense a shot. isn't it 24, really, because the pick six counts as seven? Yeah, well, make whatever argument you want with the giveaways, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, just trying to be fair to the defense. Like, okay, they 20, give up 24, 24, 24. But this yeah. offense is not good enough to make you feel like, okay, uh, that's, that's fine. It's like, no, you probably need to keep a team under, like, under 24 and have multiple takeaways. Does BYU? He's not explosive enough on offense to overcome that. Would winning the turnover margin by, at Oklahoma State by one be enough for BYU? I don't think so. I think All it right. needs to be two or three. Okay. Like Oklahoma State is significantly better than BYU. You have to do something different. Yeah. Top 20 team, by the way, new college football playoff rankings. The Cowboys are right at number 20. Okay, let's, Good move, for out. Them. let's move outside of football for the next two questions, beginning with BYU women's volleyball. If they just win to close out the season, regardless of how they win, could yep. be five sets, could be ugly, but if they, if they just win, will that be good enough to host in the NCAA tournament if they win out, regardless of how it looks, and, or does it need some gravy? It needs some gravy, and I don't know what that looks like. But BYU's 15th in RPI. They're right on the cusp. BYU 12-1 at home, 6-5 in true road games. That, uh, that is stark difference. So we'll see. Obviously, you've got to beat West Virginia tonight. You've got to win at TCU Saturday. And even then, you still may not host. I hope BYU does, though. Does BYU need Kansas to lose? Do they need some other teams to lose? That's kind of where my mind went Im immediately. Was like, Perhaps. Maybe they need some teams that are above them in RPI. Kansas is playing Cincinnati. They're not going to lose. Okay, so Kansas is going to win. So maybe it's a, a team or two from another conference that's right in that same area with BYU in the RPI conversation. They need to lose, yeah. have a bad loss, and then maybe that bumps the Cougars up to the 16 seed and they're hosting. West Virginia is the worst RPI in the Big 12, so it's not going to help. Shoot. Okay, last yeah. but not least, women's soccer gets to the College Cup, let's say. Let's say they beat North Carolina mm -hmm. on Friday. Mm -hmm. But they don't win the Natty. Mm -hmm. Does this need gravy, or is it good enough? To me, this is good enough. Amen. And here's get to the College here's Cup. Here's why. Because BYU's, I mean, the, their Achilles heel uh, in the last decade in, in this very scenario has been North Carolina. Like, North Carolina beat BYU in this exact same scenario in 2012. What they, if I told you? They came to Provo as the lower seed. And one to go to the College Cup. BYU's not special in that regard. What if I told you that North Carolina has gone to the Elite Eight 33 times? Amazing. And they only have only lost that game twice. It's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> They've only lost that game twice. BYU Holy crap. is the home team and the number one seed. So if, 
And then obviously they lost to North Carolina last year in the Sweet 16. Texas Tech was really good, right? Like tied BYU at home, regular season champs. Texas Tech had seven shots against North Carolina. None were on frame. North Carolina is friggin' good. Yep. Okay? This is going to be a battle, but BYU can win it at home. They can. It's going to be a battle, if though. they beat North Carolina and, and finally solve the Tar Heels in this very scenario and exercise the demons of 2012, good enough for me. Drum up the tar. Yes. Absolutely. Drum up the tar. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. I smell a little perfection in the air here, Jerem. It's not a tease, that's an answer. <laughs> we'll start with this. Cincinnati against West Virginia, six and a half point underdog. I took West Virginia as my super pick, and why wouldn't you? They're really good, and Cincinnati is very much the opposite. 42-21 win right there. These are all Dave picks. They in no way, shape, or form represent me or my family. Uh, but Dave did get West Virginia, yes. <laughs> so I get two points there. Form a super pick. Yep. Dave calls it, so two to one at that point. Baylor, TCU. Horned Frogs favored by 13. TCU wins convincingly, 42-17. You and Dave had TCU. Yep, okay, so three to two. Feeling good. 23rd ranked Oklahoma State. Seven-point favorite against Houston. Oklahoma State trailed early in this game. It was not looking good for the Cowboys. 23-9. Houston had the ball into the first half, and then it all swung from there. Yeah, at, at that point, Oklahoma State outscores Houston 34-7. Yeah. And go gangbusters and win by 13. Yeah, they went nuts in the second half. So we both picked Oklahoma State, meaning Dave and me, and uh, we're, we're perfect thus far. This guy's a problem, dude. What's BYU going to do against that guy? This guy's a What's BYU going to do? He wears zero, and it just looks so cool doing it. Okay, uh, yeah, you both had over. UCF, Texas Tech. Texas Tech by two and a half. Tech wins by one. Yes. So it's a UCF cover. Yes. And uh, Spence, you had UCF. Dave had Texas Tech. Texas Wild. Tech did get to a bowl game, so that is a better win for BYU. All right, that's BYU's best win of the end. season by opponent record. Unless BYU beats Oklahoma State, it's going to finish as such. Yeah, yeah. Beat Oklahoma State, then it becomes a Okay. Absolutely. Still, I'm still perfect. Should have been Oklahoma. You're still perfect. Still perfect at this point. Wow. 21st ranked Kansas State. Seven and a half point favorite against number 25, Kansas. In the Sunflower Showdown. That's I took real Kansas name. with the points. I thought Kansas State was going to win this game, but yeah. I took Kansas with the points, yep. and it's a four-point game. Is this the first ranked matchup maybe between them in a long time or ever? Like with Kansas State? Man, football? in the Sunflower Showdown? That, that pretty can't cool, have, right? It can't have been that often. No, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Kansas State, super good. Good to avoid them this year. Yeah, Kansas led 27-16, by the way, in this game and then didn't score another point. Kansas State scored the last 15 yeah. to win this game on the road. Okay. All right, five for five. Dave missed the super pick. Dave. Five for five. Five for five. Five for fighting. Good to 60. Texas, seven and a half point uh, favorite versus Iowa State. Texas won this by 10. First time Texas won 10 games in the regular season since 09. They're actually good. Well done, Sark. They're actually good. Maybe Texas actually is back. Are we ready to go there emotionally? Or do they, do they have to win the Big 12 championship? Go to the SEC already. <laughs> but thank you for leaving the Big 12 so BYU can go to it. All right, six for six. I took Texas here to cover the spread. They do, they win by 10. This is crazy. 
I didn't think I would have this week, but comes down to BYU and Oklahoma. You, know, you never do. Initially. Comes down to BYU and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I wonder twenty-four and a half point favorite. Listen, I almost went with Oklahoma <laughs> just, just to try and take like the reverse karma. I'm like, reverse maybe, karma. maybe I just need to pick Oklahoma and then BYU will win. Who thought BYU would cover in this game? Like BYU had not played like this all year, frankly, um, since Arkansas, and BYU covered. So there you go. Seven, seven for seven. For you, man. Nice. Let's go. Hey, D- Dave. Uh, if anyone had that seven-leg parlay, let me know. We're going to beat them, though. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're talking to the wrong audience here, Spencer. That's true. <laughs> it's very true. So I'm seven and three head-to-head on the season. You won this, like, three weeks ago? Did, well, we didn't te- even acknowledge Technically, that. you could have won this week and then had BYU Oklahoma beat State Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State and bowl game? Like, so that's the official win? This is like, the, today's this is the, win. the day? Today's locks it up. Yeah. Congratulations. Right. Thanks. What'd you win? <laughs> Prop picks. Uh, true or false? I don't know. Slowest and Retzlaff will have a pass attempt for BYU. You both said false. That was correct. Only Jake Breslau. Okay. Although, Chase Roberts had... Well, no, it was a, ba- it was a backwards pass. It was a fumble by Chase Roberts. <laughs> man, oh, man. Jake Retzlaff had a fumble on a backwards pass, too. On the full, out of bounds. Over, under, two and a half touchdowns scored by BYU. We both went over, yeah. and BYU scored three touchdowns. They needed four! Who will catch BYU's first completion? You said the field, which was correct. It was Cody Epps. Dave said Isaac Rex. It's good to see Cody Epps get involved again. I know, right? He's a good player. Like, he's shifty. He's yeah. He's got that suddenness to him. It's nice. Okay, how many yards will BYU's longest play from scrimmage be closest to the pin? I said 48. Dave went with 50. It was a 29-yard catch by Cody Epps. It feels there like it was longer There were a lot of 20s, though. Feels like it was longer than Aiden Robbins had seven uh, rushes of 10 plus, dude. And okay. finally, which uh, half will be always score the most points in? You both said the second half incorrect. It needed to be the second half. 24 in the first. So, Spence, you won the week 4 2. You locked up the win for the season 5 2. So, it's a big day for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Again, I didn't win anything. You gotta put something on the line. Yeah, I know. You do look like you're gonna go sit by a fire later and just like read a book, <laughs> sip how, some hot cocoa. This is how it's I, like very like late this is November. That's how I get in the mindset when the cold yeah. when the cold temperatures hit. Professor you know, Linton yes. shows up. Yes. <laughs> Teaching the, in English the intellectuals. Class. Yes. We are not. <laughs> we did sports podcast. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. A one-on-one with sharpshooter and freshman star Kaylee Woolston. Kaylee, what's the best part about playing in a multi-team event on the North Shore of Hawaii? Oh, man, the weather. It's awesome. Being able to get away from Utah and just enjoy the weather for a little while is amazing. (laughs) I love it. I know it's a business trip of sorts. You're there to win games, and you did beat Wake Forest. So how do you manage that type of schedule when you are there to play and compete and win, but you're in Hawaii, so you got to figure out a time to do something fun? Yeah, just making sure we take time to rest and get recovery and don't get too tired running around the island, but just still seeing the sights and just kind of balancing everything. What's the best thing you've seen thus far? Uh, probably Pearl Harbor. That was really cool. The Pearl Harbor Memorial. Oh, agreed. Super emotional. Very, very cool. Okay. Now we turn our attention to the basketball games and let's go ahead and look back a little bit at Wake Forest. 
it's a team that's scrappy and they really get into you defensively. They forced 26 turnovers, but didn't seem to slow down the BYU offense. How are you able to overcome 26 turnovers? Um, I think we just got a little sped up, especially at the beginning. So being able to just slow down and play our game, not um, force them to play their game, but just keep things slow, get an inside out game, things like that. It was Amber Whiting, your head coach's birthday when you beat Wake Forest. And I need to remind people that last year, her first win ever as the BYU head coach also happened on her birthday. Yep. So is winning on Amber's birthday now officially a thing? Yes, it is. We got to keep a game on her birthday every year. It's a tradition. <laughs> yep. Okay, note to, note to self, schedule the toughest opponent on Amber's birthday yes. next season, at least in non-conference play. Uh, what's been the best part about the 4-0 start for BYU women's basketball? Um, I think just the chemistry that we've been building as a team, being able to play together, like just seeing all the extra passes, everybody's so unselfish. It's just so fun playing with this group of girls. When did you realize that you were going to have an even more significant role with the injuries to R.A. Mackie Williams and uh, also obviously um, to Nani Falatea? I mean, you're the two starting guards are out. So when when did you realize, okay, this is now it's on me? Yeah, um, coach kind of had a talk with me after those injuries, just saying that I have to step up and play more of a point guard role because I haven't really been doing that. I'm more of a shooting guard, but with just Amari Whiting being our point guard right now, I kind of have to step up and be her backup in a way. So just uh, learning to fit into that new role while through these injuries and just kind of step up. Mm. What's been the most challenging part of that transition for you? Um. Probably just stepping up to the speed of the game. It's different than high school. You have to always be like locked in the whole game, and it's just different, and I think it's been good just kind of changing and adapting to that. Well, for what it's worth, it doesn't seem to have affected your confidence and certainly not your shooting ability. Um, but when you talk about the speed of the game, how long did it take you to adjust to that? Have you adjusted at this point? I think, uh, like us freshmen and newcomers, are pretty well adjusted now. You know, we've had the whole summer – being able to go to Italy and play together really helped to have those games before to kind of help us get used to it. So I think we're pretty well into it now. So as you push forward and you look at, you know, a matchup with St. Louis tomorrow and, and you're trying to get ready for a team that is speaking of speed. I mean, they run up and down. Mm-hmm. What do you have you, what have you noticed most about the Billikens and maybe what's the number one concern with them? Um, they're a really athletic team. So being able to stay in front one-on-one and just lock in on defense, I think is a, going to be a huge thing for us being able to keep people in front of us. For sure. Guard your yard as Mark Pope would say. And I don't know what Amber's terminology is, but we'll get that from her later. (laughs) Um, so as while you're again on the floor, you're trying to get to five and oh, the big 12 is looming. What has, what does BYU need to do to get ready for big 12 conference play? I think just getting more reps together, uh, get more confidence together as a group since we're so young and new together, being able to figure out our roles. I think we're still kind of figuring that out, um, just be able to be on the court more. Awesome. Kaylee Woolston is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned Amari Whiting. Both of you are true freshmen on the floor together. How would you explain your relationship with her on and off the floor? It's awesome. I mean, we're – we live in the same apartment together. We spend so much time together. I think that's really important to be able to get that chemistry now because we'll be here together for four years. So being able to be good friends on and off the court is super important. And then how has that relationship off the floor impacted what you're doing on the floor with her? 
it helps a ton being able to have that relationship just kind of helps us mesh better on the floor helps us like we're really good about picking each other up when we make mistakes and not getting down on each other and I think that'll be important because obviously as freshmen we're going to make mistakes and just being able to lift each other up in times like that is important. Kayla, I need to give you props for being a super tough player. Uh, I was calling the UVU game. All of a sudden, you just got this huge bump on your right cheek, and you're just still making threes, and you're getting up and down the floor. It's turned into a little bit of a black eye now, but what yeah. is it like to compete at this level and, and work through, you know, minor injuries, but still, like, it doesn't feel good. How, what's it like to work through that and still be a try and be an elite shooter from the three-point line? Yeah, it's so much fun. I love uh, the competitive level at this level of basketball like how competitive it is at all times um they just thrive in this setting and it's amazing I love it a lot of people ask me what's Amber Whiting like off the like out of the limelight because we see her on tv she's very fire what what's coach Whiting like when the lights are not on the tv cameras are not on yeah I love Amber she's awesome she's like super personable like she's not one of those head coaches that's super aloof, like she'll get like t tries to have a relationship with each individual player and we'll spend make sure she spends time with each of us to get to know us. She likes to know what we're struggling with, how she can personally help us. And I love that about her. OK, we'll finish with this. What's the best part about playing basketball with Lauren Gustin? Oh, my gosh. She's awesome. I'll try and go get a rebound. I'm like, nope, she's got it. She's just a monster inside. It's insane. You you always know you can get inside to her. You always know she's gonna grab those rebounds. Like I've never played with anybody like her, and it's it's amazing to watch. Awesome, Kaylee. Uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes with us from Hawaii. Don't let us distract you any further. Go do your thing. You got to go do some surfing or whatever to relax and get ready. We'll send you yep. some BYU Sports Station karma uh, to play well against St. Louis. And again, thanks for the time. Yep. Thank you. Women's Hoops tonight taking on St. Louis. Watch Wollston make a bunch of threes. She's made at least three in all four games this year. 8 Eastern on the BYU TV app and BYU Ready. 52% from three. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Let's go. There's a lot riding on it for us. We on the mission. Yeah, we on the mission. The mission is to win and destroying competition. It takes 11 guys to execute the place properly. Saturday, they can compete way more than we thought. Wait, that's what the real mission is? Destroy the competition. Destroy the com com that is the mission. Destroy the competition. Wow. I like the song choice there. Well done, production staff. Is called to serve up next? BYU at Oklahoma State. The Cougars are a 17-point underdog, 16-and-a-half, depending on which line you look at. Are we used to that? I think we are. 17 plus! Yeah. In the wrong ways, Jerem. Hey, maybe win by seven. But the Cougars, hey, had every opportunity to destroy the 24-and-a-half point line last week against Oklahoma, wind up losing by seven. That's a difference of... 17, eh, eh? It's my favorite premise. So, Jerem, do you believe BYU can somehow, some way, build off last week's performance against Oklahoma, implement it against Oklahoma State, and have something good happen tomorrow? I hope. You know, there's no guarantee that week to week you string together the same performance. We certainly hope if BYU stinks that they don't stink the next week, and so you hope there's a difference, right? But in this, we hope that BYU continues to be able to run the ball, 
continues to find intermediate passing plays, the difference would be you need to protect the ball and you need to take it away. Uh, so hopefully BYU can do that. If they do, that's great. Now, Oklahoma State uh, is pretty good at a couple of things that may be an issue. Fourth down defense, number one in the country. They blocked four kicks. They don't penalize themselves very much, top 25 in that way. And they don't give up sacks and TFLs. But the stinky stats for OSU are places BYU can take advantage. 79th and third downs. Can BYU move the chains? 88th and third down defense. Yep. Uh, can BYU move the chains? They don't even move it that well on offense to that first one. And then in total defense, 115th. Like, they give up some yards. Can BYU finally get to 400 in this game? They give up over 430 a game. Can BYU run the ball and use some clock and have a lead and put the pressure on here? The Cowboys, yes, lost to South Alabama early. You look at that and you think, oh, BYU can absolutely win this game. But then you look at the 8-3, and three, you know, second in the Big 12, chance to get in the Big 12 championship game if Texas beats Texas Tech and OSU wins. Those are two likely things, right? But, but, what if BYU can build off of uh, last week and actually take care of the ball? There's an opportunity to beat OSU, just like there was an opportunity to beat Oklahoma. Certainly playing on the road is tougher than playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for BYU, no duh. On their senior day. But can BYU just give us one great performance, one upset of a top 25 team, get to a bowl game, and they're like, ah, okay, we did it. Because if not, not going to a bowl game, that mm. just stinks. There's a good chance of rain in the forecast on Saturday. I don't know if that benefits Oklahoma State more in their run game or if it benefits BYU more in their now emerging run game. I, I don't know. It's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to be kind of uncomfortable. So who, who does that favor in this matchup? Nobody. <laughs> Both. So the, the weather's going to be weird. Yeah. And frankly, the conference all year has been very weird. The Big 12 to me has felt like college football roulette week to week. Like, how in the heck – do some of these things happen? How does Oklahoma beat Texas and then go on the road and lose at Kansas when Kansas has a backup quarterback in? How does UCF beat Oklahoma State 45-3? to How does Houston, in 12 seconds of time, throw a Hail Mary and somehow beat West Virginia on their home field? I'm not putting it past anything on Saturday. Again, just spin the wheel, roll that little marble thing around, and see where it lands. Like, for me, the Big 12, more than any other conference, has the wheel of destiny thing going like the ACC used to years ago. Like, I feel like the Big 12 has now accepted that moniker and is like, I don't know, spin the wheel. Let's just see what happens. So that I think that actually benefits BYU because it's like, look what we did against Oklahoma last week. What BYU should have, in many ways, probably have beaten Oklahoma last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, BYU. Right? Yeah, BYU should have won. I know. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. But still, the fact that BYU was in position to, like, take a stranglehold on that game late in the second half is like, whoa, okay. Then the pick six. Just add it to the weirdness of the Big 12 Conference all year. Yes. I believe that BYU does have some momentum in the run game. I think that matters. I believe that Jake Retzloff will be the starting quarterback because of that, especially maybe because of the weather conditions, if it's going to be cold and gross and weird and wet and then maybe BYU is at an advantage with the running quarterback who doesn't have to throw as much and against a defense that as you pointed out Jeremy's ranked 115th in the country in total defense Oklahoma State's defense is not great but are they going to be so motivated that 
they feel like, okay, this we're going to get into the Big 12 championship game. Are they going to play with the extra chip on their shoulder? I don't know. It's, I, would, it's, I would hope so. It's, They've got a way more on the line than BYU. College football roulette. I have no idea what to expect tomorrow. And that kind of is fun, and it's also kind of terrifying. BYU could lose this game by 30. They could win this game by 14. It's that much of a spread for me because of conditions and just how weird the conference has been all year. But the one thing that we know is steady. The one thing we know that is steady all year is BYU, to have any shot in this game, has to win the turnover margin. Like, that has to happen. I don't care anything else, any other numbers. If BYU wins the turnover margin, I believe they will have a shot to win the game tomorrow. Just plus one? Yes. Do it? Plus one. I do not believe that. I believe it has to be two or three, and that one of those has to be maybe even terminal. Like BYU can't be even or, or lose it. they got to be at least plus one to have a shot. Yeah. I, to win, to me, is plus two or three. Like, just, yeah, it's, it's tough. You're not playing at home, and that's kind of the difference. Like, last week at Oklahoma, BYU doesn't play like that. It, it, it doesn't happen like that, in my opinion. I think a lot of that was because BYU was home and comfortable, and the crowd was awesome, and it was great. Hopefully, BYU can uh, take it away. If BYU does not take it away a single time, forget about it. Not happening. Forget about it's it. It's not happening. Like, if BYU takes it away two or three times, they still need to take care of it. And hopefully, these turnovers are in good situations. Uh, a, a turnover is always great. You, you take the ball away, you prevent a score, but maybe you just punt after that. You at least prevented a score, a would-be score, but you don't even know if they did score. The turnovers that BYU gave Oklahoma last week. 21 points off three turnovers. One was terminal, and two were in, uh, you know, your territory. All three resulted is, in touchdowns. Those are bad ones, right? Ugh. There's not a good turnover, but uh, there's some ones that are extra bad. BYU's got some momentum in the run game for sure. Now, the, yeah. the streak buster no that they need to take care of is the turnover situation. BYU's turned it over six times and have gained no turnovers in the last two losses. The Cougars have in the last three, too. Yeah, they have yeah. to figure out a way to reverse that I, trend. I would also submit the following. Again, I know it's tougher competition, better defenses, da 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 This isn't a better This defense. isn't a better defense. Get to 400 stinking yards for once. Like, if BYU goes this whole season and doesn't get to 400, like, what is that? What is that? BYU can totally do it tomorrow. Come on. Come on. Oklahoma State gives up 432 yards a game. I know BYU's defense hasn't been great, but BYU is giving up 22 fewer yards than Oklahoma State. It's the offense that's the issue. And then you got to take it away on defense. Like, again, the defense is not without sin here. They have to take it away. If BYU can take care of it. If BYU can rush for 150-plus tomorrow, and win the turnover margin, they got a legitimate shot. Oklahoma State gives up like 175 a game. Can you can you just can you run for what Oklahoma State come on like typically gives up? If BYU does that and wins the turnover margin, that's where I feel like okay, uh, I feel like that is something that we know is a known entity. Like if BYU, you will keep it. You you will be in the game. You will be in the game. Which that's what I want at the end. Like Oklahoma. No moral victory there, but, like, it was way more fun to obviously be in that game than, than the previous three games, that three of four or whatever, that and, were just And the question Again, the question arises, like, how does that BYU team that played against Oklahoma put on the performances they did against West Virginia and Iowa State? Because that was the high, not the average. 
the the best game BYU's played all year was last week. So that's the high. Not, and I don't know low, what to expect. There's been why, several lows. I, exactly. So where's the median here? I have no idea. The median's a five and six team that doesn't score on offense very much and move the ball. Like, can BYU summon a unique performance tomorrow, similar to last week, that is perhaps the best or second best performance of the year to give themselves a chance? The answer is yes, they can do it. I apologize. Like, you roll out for breakfast every morning with us, and I'm like, all right. Well, uh, it's, it's, o- it's oatmeal again, and, and maybe we've got a little brown sugar and a little honey, but we're running low on it. It's like a little? Shoot. Now, I say that because it's the same message every week, which is BYU, need, BYU <laughs> needs to win the turnover margin okay, and establish a run game. And try and get to a bowl game. Like, the oatmeal. Five weeks in a row. So, maybe, you're, maybe BYU's more hungry. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe it tastes better today. Maybe they get that sixth win, and it's okay. But I, I, I feel bad because it's the same message every week based on who this team is. Just, I know. That's why this morning I had eggs, bacon, and You mixed sausage. it up. I went, no. This is the same I've been going with the last couple oh, days. I've been right. going hard. Wow. Because BYU needs to go hard tomorrow. <laughs> Topic two, speaking of going hard, <laughs> men's hoops. 5-0, and baby! Two P6 wins, uh, taking out San Diego State, uh, and then, of course, last night, dominating Arizona State. Just a, a taste of what's going to happen in the Big 12 next year. Oh, how poor is Arizona State? Will Yeesh. the Cougars be ranked next week regardless of what happens tonight against NC State? No, they will not. They have to beat NC State to get ranked. You do. Like, this is the next most significant test for BYU in the now six games that they will have played including tonight. you got to beat NC State to prove that you are a ranked team. It's a neutral floor. It's not on the road. You're in Vegas. Like, BYU has a lot of fans there, which is cool. It's nice to see the BYU fans show up late on Thanksgiving night. BYU will have a home court advantage of sorts, and, you know, they're home away from home. BYU needs to beat NC State. I know they were, like, the margin against Arizona State is very impressive, but if you lose to NC State and that's the last thing you've done and shown to the committee, like, they'll probably be a team that's receiving votes again and will be just outside. So, for me... Being, being the voters? Yeah. Yeah, the, the voters in the AP poll. Like, and, frankly, if you want to stay in one of the last four buys in Joe Lenardi's bracket, then you probably need to beat NC State as well. BYU is a favorite. This, BYU is supposed to beat NC State. So, yeah. what do good teams do? They typically beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Go and show that you can go 2-0, you can win the Vegas showdown, you're 6-0 coming back home, and now you have wins against San Diego State and a pretty good NC State team, and you embarrassed Arizona State. Now you're number 21 or number 22 coming into the AP Top 25 next week. I wish, I wish that BYU had done enough to be in the Top 25 regardless. I just don't think they're there yet. That's a possibility they are. They play a close game and uh, look good in, in doing so and are efficient like they have been. There's a possibility at 5-1. and one. BYU was two out last week. You hammered uh, Arizona State. Uh, maybe get lost in the shuffle. BYU don't watch the game per se, being late at 10 Eastern, <laughs> and then just see a box scored. <laughs> if you lose by a couple of points, uh, maybe in overtime, there's a chance, sure. I don't really care that much whether BYU's ranked next week or not. I just want them to continue to get better, and they obviously – like, it'd be cool, don't get me wrong. But, like – I value BYU being 12 in Ken Palm more than I value, value being ranked in the top 25. Like, that, that, those numbers and that efficiency is awesome. See, it surprised me because BYU started the game shooting the ball so poorly. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, the efficiency narcs are going to take a big hit tonight. No. In fact, BYU went up. They jumped two spots in Ken Palm. Because it is, um, it is against your competition, too. Like, it is how you perform and against competition. And you hold Arizona State to 49. 
It was 17 in the first half. Like, like we can complain about how the offense was. The defense was way better. How good was Noah Waterman? Bob? And how good is the rebounding for this team, Jerem? So good. Like, the fact, the continuity of this team, like, what we underestimated with basketball, we un- overestim- uh, underestimated with basketball, we over or didn't take into account enough with football, which is continuity matters. The fact that these guys have played with each other at least a year, some guys two years, is awesome. Some three. Some three, some seven. Just kidding. The fact they have two of the top three oldest players in college basketball, like finally the experience advantage is helping BYU. Maybe Bill Self knew what he was talking about at Big 12 Media Day. strollers. Well, it's just Trey Christensen. That's <laughs> and he's not playing. But uh, it's exciting to watch this team uh, come together. Are they, like, for sure going to make the NCAA tournament? It's like, I don't know quite yet. i got to see BYU in Big 12 play before I can really evaluate that. But, like, BYU uh, is doing great work. And ESPN, too, did some great work last night. They yes. perhaps gave us the greatest graphic of all time. So they compared wow. – they're talking about Spencer Johnson's age, and they compared it to Jason Tatum of the Celtics. So Johnson older than Tatum by, by like six, six months. months. Years in the NBA, NBA earnings, almost 99 million. <laughs> but Cougar Tales enjoyed our boy Sean Farnham, who was actually on the uh, Cougar – Cougar Tail rapper with us, by the way. That's like one of the greatest privileges of all time. They put us on the rapper, which is like so flattering. They're like, hey, do you mind if we use it? I'm like, can I pay you? Yeah. Uh, to yeah, Farnham wanted, he wanted some royalties, though. He's like, what, what the heck, man? Like, where are my royalties? <laughs> you don't really understand this place, do you, Sean? <laughs> um, no, that, that was great. I'm super excited for BYU. Don't really care whether they're ranked or not next week. If they, it's not next week, it's going to be the week after that. Because uh, they... At Fresno State, neutral site, Delta Center next week. Like, let's go. Like, BYU's playing so great. It's so fun to watch. It's good team basketball, yeah. and there's not a lot of flaws. Although, Noah Tiki Ali Atiki, we assume, tonight for the fight last night, is going to affect that rebounding number for BYU. Because Ali Khalifa hasn't played yet. Maybe no. he needs to suit up tonight. Well, I don't think he's going to. I think, I mean, based on what Mark Pope told me last week, he's still, like, a little ways away. I, mm. I don't think Ali is even available. T- it might be tough to rebound. Then. It might be Towns and Triple. And Foose, right? That might be your, your post tonight. So there, there's, yeah, there's reason for concern because NC State's got some big bodies too. They got some big guys in there. By, by the way, BYU number one in three-point defense in the country right now. 17% allowed. Woo! Let's go. Colton, All right. Colton, can you hear me? I'll be interested to uh, hear what BYU fans have to say when this BYU basketball team loses their first game. Like, what, how will the narrative shift once well, – because they're going to lose a game. What we don't want is uh, two years ago at Oregon, you get up to number 12, you're feeling good, and then let, you go to the NIT third round. It's not a bad year, but, like, I'm, I, talk to, let's talk halfway through Big 12 play before we really evaluate – like, seriously evaluate whether BYU is going to play in the tourney and do anything. What like, it's going to be a sack. What if they're undefeated in non-conference? That's awesome. <sighs> then we expect the tourney, but it's like – Okay, let's play in yeah, Big 12 yes. and see what that's what like. What will the narrative be when this team eventually loses a game? We'll what see. if they don't all season? <laughs> Stop it. Our question 30, of the day. like 9-0? Our question of the day. Which team needs a win more? Yikes. This weekend. <laughs> this is perhaps the toughest question we've ever asked. Is it BYU football trying to get bowl eligible against 20th ranked <sighs> Oklahoma State? Or is it number one seed BYU women's soccer trying to exercise the demons that they have faced in the NCAA tournament against North Carolina specifically? Same matchup tonight. That's like Southfield. Which kid do you love more? It's like, what? 
I love both. All right, you got to pick one. Tony Henry on Facebook chooses. Tony. BYU women's soccer has a chance at a national championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As far as I'm concerned, football is in a building year. Rebuilding year. Yeah. A bowl game would be nice, but it's not anywhere near as important as a national championship. Go Cougs. Oh, that's a pretty good answer. Okay, Walter Peterson on X. Football. Ending the year on a five-game skid would hurt, especially after how well BYU played in Provo last week. Football can win if it's clean, gets bowl eligible in their first year in a Power 5 league, which would be pretty incredible. <sighs> what is greater, bowl game from football in year one of the Big 12 or college cup chance at a natty for women's soccer? I don't know. I, I don't know. If I have to, I'm going women's soccer. Because the stakes are higher there. I understand that football is more popular. But, like, BYU can build off of uh, this momentum. The unfortunate part is... And next year... Yeah, going to a bowl game is not a huge deal. No, but it's it's more about, like, gearing up for next year. And when football is good and rolling a little bit, it feels like the entire athletic department benefits from this. Totally. Although there's less continuity year to year now with the transfer portal than you want. How do you view it? This is an almost impossible question to answer. Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, <laughs> and Instagram. I don't know. Like, it's 50-50 for me. It's 51-40. It's 50.1. It's like a presidential vote. Okay, BYUSN game day. Tomorrow, 1.30 Eastern time. BYU, Oklahoma State. That's uh, amazing. Bronze Kafusi, guest analyst. Let's go, Bronze. Up next, one of our go-to analysts, Blaine Fowler, joins us. Does he believe BYU will indeed build off the performance from last week against OU and take it into Stillwater? And where does he think the Cougars have an advantage? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now, a man who has a few jackets of his own. Uh, we should give him a Hall of Fame jacket when it comes to BYU sports and coverage of BYU sports. The BYU sports, Sports Nation Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We should make that, Blaine yeah. Fowler is on BYUSN on this Black Friday. Blaine, how's the shopping coming along, my friend? I, I you know, I don't really do shopping, so... Thank goodness my, my two daughters, <laughs> like the only person I have to buy for is Brenda and, and Nicole and Libby. Oh, they come up big. Okay. Every year. Like, hey, dad, mom needs I this and this. That. I'm like, can you, can you get that? And they're like, yeah, I'll get it. And so when it comes down to it, I really don't do shopping. So you, so. you Venmo your daughters and you're good. Yeah, well, and um, <laughs> my philosophy has always been, listen, I'll go work five jobs if I have to and provide the funding for the shopping. Yep. But- is long, like, I'll do 10 jobs as long as I don't have to go shopping. Oh, I yeah, feel that I in my bones. I, yeah, I, I feel that, too. And there's no way that Landon, Gavin, and Kellen are contributing in that way. So it's all good, man. No. Uh, love those no, guys, just, but, but no way. The um, only okay. thing I'm okay shopping for is furniture, because when we go into the furniture store, I immediately just go sit on the couch, yeah. and then I'm okay. Today yep. would be a good day for that. You could just watch football. Um, okay, yes. speaking of, we were talking about whether we feel like BYU can build off of last week into this week. Certainly another good opponent, another ranked team. This time it's on the road. A lot at stake for uh, OSU. Can BYU build off this and take care of the ball better and, and take it away better? I Absolutely, I think they can. And I think that that's been the theme all week. Um, 
with the coaching staff, it, it's nice to have a game where you can go watch film and say, see, guys, this is what we were talking about. You match up with anybody. Oklahoma probably has, if you go position by position, the second best team in the league when it comes to talent. Texas is probably the most. Then then I'd say Oklahoma and TCU are, are really close. Isn't it interesting that the records sort of reflect that? Maybe TCU's underperformed this year. But, but you can point on play after play, if you get in the gap defensively that you're supposed to be in, if you run the alley the way you're supposed to run it, um, we match up with these teams. The only thing we didn't do was take care of the football. Remedy that on the road, and you will beat Oklahoma State. And it's one thing to say that when it's not really happening. It's another to put the film up and say that and have the guys go, gosh, they're, they're exactly right here. Like we we can do this. We can run the football on people when we pick up the right people on the front and when we block a hat on a hat and don't have free runners. We can run the football for 217 yards like like folks just saw when you get Aiden Robbins going downhill. Um, so so I think can you build on it? You absolutely can because the theme this week has been look at yourself on film, look what you're capable of. Let's take it up a notch on the road and let's take care of the football. And we got something here. Blaine Fowler is with us on BYU Sports Nation. All right, Blaine, the Big 12 week-to-week has been so full of parity and just unexpected results that, frankly, I, I have no idea what to expect tomorrow from BYU against an Oklahoma State team that lost by 42 points to UCF and lost by 26 points at home to South Alabama. But this same Oklahoma State team beat OU head-to-head and they got one of the best, most exciting running backs in the entire country. So what, what do you expect to happen tomorrow? Is there something you could circle and say, yes, this will definitely happen? Yeah, I, Ollie Gordon's tough to stop. Like, I, 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 this is the great running back you're talking about. He's one of the best in the country. Um, but I don't think you have to stop him to beat Oklahoma State. I, I think if you, if you can limit – if you can keep him – to 150 yards or less. Isn't that crazy that I'm saying just keep him to 150 <laughs> yards or less? But but if you can keep him in that game and you don't give him these big home run plays and make Oklahoma State work it, I I just don't think that their defense uh, – when I look at Oklahoma State defensively on film, I'm just not – I'm not overly impressed with them. And I think BYU found something offensively last week. Um, this Oklahoma State team comes in ranked 107th in the country in rush defense. So if you can keep them from just running the ball down your throat with Gordon, I think BYU can actually establish the run a little bit, give give the quarterback some play action passes offensively that 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 he can complete, and I think you're in a ball game where you come down to the stretch and you have a chance to win this thing. Um, it's also supposed to rain um, tomorrow there. Yep. Remember that Oklahoma State game where they just got beat to death by Central Florida was in a rainstorm. Um, so. I just feel like if BYU found the running game last week and they found it because they called the right kind of plays for Aiden Robbins, but also because they went simple and that offensive line, they found the right guys. This year, it hasn't been all offensive lines. Everybody's getting beat one-on-one. It's been, why are they doubly teaming that guy and not blocking the other guy on the line of scrimmage? So many negative yardage plays with just unblocked players. They fixed that last week. So keep it fixed. And if you keep it fixed, I feel like they can run the ball, which will lead to bigger plays and play action. And if they can just keep Gordon from going off for 250 yards or something nuts like that, 
I feel like they're in the game and they have a chance to win this thing at the end. When they give it to them 20 times, I think they're 6-0 this year. So that carry number will be interesting. I would argue BYU did a nice job against other very talented running backs around the country in the Big 12. Taj Brooks, Texas Tech. Jonathan Brooks of Texas. Imani Bailey, TCU. Granted, they just threw the ball a lot in that one. Devin Neal, not so much Kansas, but there's an opportunity there. With that said, you said, hey, BYU's got to control uh, the clock and, and the run game. Does that mean you think Jake Retzloff should be the starter with the increased run game and then obviously he needs to take care of the ball? Or do you think Keaton Slova should start if healthy? I just, I just don't feel like Keaton's still 100% healthy. And if he's not, um, Jake gives you a run dynamic. I, I, as we were watching film uh, to get ready for after further review this last week, we're watching plays where Aiden's getting that cutback lane where they're handing it to him play side. So say the play's designed to go to the right. They hand it to him play side, and then Retzliff hands the ball off, and he continues his motion out to the left, and the backside end and the backside linebacker both respect him. They step outside. That's what creates the cutback lane. The cutback lane's not created by anybody blocking anybody. You leave those guys unblocked. If they respect the quarterback, the cutback's there. If they don't respect the quarterback, Jake can keep it and run with the football. And we saw him do that a couple of times. So so when you're running that, not necessarily the RPO, but the zone read or, or wherever there's an option for the quarterback to keep the football, um, you have a couple of guys on the backside that have to stay home defensively, and it creates some running lanes for, for Aiden when he's running downhill. So so Jake does bring that dynamic to it where, where if you don't respect him, he'll go run for 15 or 20 yards. He's got that capability. Um, interestingly, Oklahoma State's quarterback, um, Bauman, he's he's big, tall, thrower, kind of a pocket guy. They do run that type of offense, but he's not a guy that you're going, oh, man, we can't step down and rally to him. He's, he, he's not like Oklahoma's quarterback or Kansas's quarterback where you feel like, oh, my gosh, a big play is just waiting to happen. I think you can get a little more aggressive with pressuring him in the pass game because he may, he may hurt you a little bit running, but he's not going to run 50 yards for a touchdown. He's just not that kind of guy. He's a solid runner, but he's not a breakaway, going to kill you with his feet type of a guy. So this type of quarterback, um, as good as he is and as, and as well as he throws the football, isn't as big a threat to BYU's defense as, as somebody like Dylan Gabriel, who, by the way, BYU did a phenomenal job on in that first half last week. So I think the matchup is, is it's a good matchup for BYU. When they had really good running backs and could focus on those backs, they've done a really good job, as you mentioned, Jeremy, this year in defending that. I expect them to – I put that mark at 150. If they can keep them 150 or under, um, then Oklahoma State's not going to go and, and run away with this game. And then the other thing is that the offense can produce. When you see Oklahoma State in games that they've struggled, they get behind and they have to throw the football to catch up and they can't give – um, can't give Gordon the ball 20-plus touches because th there's not enough time to do that and to grind. And so I think it's important for them to get a quick start and for BYU to score early uh, to put Oklahoma State in kind of catch-up mode, and that would bode well for the Cougs as well. All right, <clears throat> great stuff on football, Blaine. Let's go ahead and turn the page to BYU basketball, who played late into the night in Las Vegas Kind of an ugly game in a lot of ways, especially in the first half, but BYU's defense was there. Their rebounding was outstanding once again. Their efficiency marks have them at number 12 in the Ken Pomeroy Index now after that 28-point win over the Sun Devils. So I guess the question is what Jeremy and I were just discussing a few minutes ago is regardless of what happens tonight against NC State, do you believe BYU 
is a top 25 college basketball team right now? I think they are. Do I think they will be if they lose to NC State? It, it, it's hard to say. It's a late enough game that I don't like. I watched the first half last night on the couch and the second half in bed. Um, and so a lot of the people that vote in the AP and all of that, um, I don't know that they even see this game tonight, right? And so they're just going to look at the result. Um, I think they're, will they be ranked? It's borderline. I think they have a chance. Um, just because of the big blowout against Arizona State last night and the handling of San Diego State and the way they're playing against inferior teams. Think, think just back a year ago when all these transfers were first year in the program and Foosh was developing and Atiki wasn't who he is now and Waterman really wasn't quite sure what was expected of him and was just running around the perimeter and not rebounding and defending like he is now and Jackson Robinson wasn't sure where his shots were supposed to come. Like all of those things have changed. Last year, they would play an inferior team, and they, you know, they'd let them kind of stay in the game, and they'd win at the end. This year, they play an inferior team, and they blow them off the floor. It's like, hey, leave no doubt. And against good teams, they're playing with so much confidence right now, they look like a top 25 basketball team. And I talked to Dutch after the game at San Diego State, and he's like, wow, that's the most physical BYU team I've seen in a long, long time. Um, that was his comment, and I agree with him. That's, that's the thing that's been impressive. When the game was ugly, as you mentioned um, last night, that first half, BYU didn't back off. Arizona State, they got really physical. They came out on the perimeter. They had a lot of hands on people. They're trying to rough BYU up. BYU didn't back off at all. They, they put their shoulders down and just attacked. Um, and then they made Arizona State pay for pressing, uh, especially in that second half. It was like, okay, you want to press us? Fine. We're going to push the ball up the floor. We're going to get the ball to one of the wings, and we're going to knock down threes. Yep. I was surprised Arizona State pressed as much as they did. That was like, dude, let me get out threes. of press because BYU's killing you. Yeah. Blaine, great stuff. A little football, a little basketball. That's why you are the dual threat analyst for BYU Sports Nation. Can't wait to watch the Cougs play against Oklahoma State. And I know you're a women's soccer fan. Big one tonight, so clear your schedule. Oh. Women's soccer tonight, football tomorrow. Basketball and uh, women's soccer beat the state of North Carolina today. That's yes. Sure. That's right. Let's go. That's right. Beat They're the Tar Heels. Half an hour. Let's go. Awesome. Thanks, Blaine. See you guys. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, everyone. And join us, won't you, in the Cougar Council Room for a conversation with the team that just won another national championship. Yeah, BYU baby. BYU men's soccer is here. Congratulations. Yeah, Head nicely Coach Brandon done. Gilliam and we love Chris Natties. Jenkinson, uh, outstanding goalkeeper. Awesome. Fantastic. Well done again. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Appreciate it. Uh, is it, is it um, you know, as fun winning like the fifth and sixth years, four in a row? Like, how do they compare as you continue to stack these up now? Uh, every year is different. Yeah. Like, you can't do the same thing, expect to have it work. And so this year, actually, for me and our staff was probably a little bit more special because there's a lot of tweaks we had to figure out this year. Okay. With injuries, just chronic injuries, nothing big, but a lot of players not coming in fully fit. So there's a lot of adjustments this year to make sure that this happens. So, so you had to coach them up. Had to do a lot more work. Nice. A lot more stress outside <laughs> the games. Okay, you don't allow a goal yeah. in the entire tournament. Not one. I mean, you shut out everybody. A clean sheet for the tournament. Not bad for the keeper here. 
how, how are you able to pull that <laughs> up? Like, what, what went into that? Well, obviously, it's, it's nice to know that no other team celebrated against you, Man. Which, is, which is cool. But obviously, a big props to this is to our defensive line. Um, I'm, the, I'm the last person, and a lot of times I'm not even, you know, making sure that we keep zero on the board. A lot of the time it's, it's that back line, and we have, we have such a stellar back line um, that sometimes makes my job really easy. Okay. Were you bored at all, ever? <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> let, me get in, let me get involved here. Yeah, he was active. In the Georgia Tech game, he was very involved. So, you know, there's always going to be one or two games that the goalkeeper has to win it for you, right? And you're not always going to score goals in Georgia Tech. He came up huge. What do you remember from that game specifically, Chris? It was 0-0. And you know, I actually thought we were going to go to penalties immediately after um, regulation play. And so in my head, it was like, we have to get to penalties. We, like, we have to. If, obviously, if our attack wasn't working out so good, um, at least keep a zero on our board. And that's what we were able to do. In soccer, that's what you aim to do, right? You can at least uh, control. We can control, control that part, right? If if not, get a goal later. Keep a zero. You have a chance. Yes. Okay. Yes. You beat right? Florida, Straight Arizona up. State, UConn, Georgia Tech, UCLA, Virginia Tech. Football wishes it had gone through that gamble <laughs> as well, and and basketball, right? That's pretty impressive. Which game was it? Georgia Tech. Were you most nervous in? Was it, was it that game? I mean, that one went into extra time. We played an extra 20 minutes, so it was 0-0 at the end of the game. So that one put us into the, the longest stretch of challenge. Uh, there's a lot of teams that challenge us. Everybody kind of knows who we are, and that same statement I just said is how they step onto the field. If we can keep a zero on the board, we're still in the game. And so they play defense for their lives, right? And Georgia Tech was the ones who pulled it off the best, and so it took a little extra to, to pull that one off. 73 match unbeaten streak. Um, <laughs> it's hard for me to sit here and be like, you guys need to do more. Uh, <laughs> like, come on, what? So what, what's the next step for BYU soccer? Um, I mean, you, you constantly rotate players out, right? So we saw a big senior class going out this year, put together our spring schedule and try to challenge ourselves the best we can with any team who's willing to play Division One, Division Two, and go see you know, how we stack up in different areas. Um, and then get back at it. I don't know, it's, it's hard to keep, that's the hardest part as a staff is, how do you motivate them year after year? How do you keep them wanting more? Um, and that's always the question that mm. we talk about in off season. What is it about uh, BYU men's soccer that was so attractive for you, Chris, to want to play here? Because certainly one day we hope that men's soccer is an NCAA sport here, yeah. and then you can attract uh, you know, all, the, all the talent that you want. But obviously this is a talent group that continues to win. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it honestly goes back to like when I was really, really young. I mean, I always came to games at South um, for men's and women's, and it was just it was it just felt like the place that I needed to be. Um, but since being on the team, the the team is honestly incredible. Where it's like obviously we love winning, um, but there's so much bigger culture that you, that you don't see that are off off scenes. Um, you know, we're we're constantly giving devotionals every single practice, every single game. Um, pray before every game, pray before every practice. Like that's just not something you have everywhere. Yeah. And I think that's easy to, to kind of take for granted, especially in Provo, Utah. Um, but it's honestly really been cool to grow close to my teammates, not only on the soccer field, but um, off the soccer field, in the hotel, um, going out to eat, whatever, whatever it might be. And so I think since joining the team, I've had a greater appreciation of like, like this, is, this is a really, really special team and a really special place to be. Um, but before that, I mean, it just felt like yeah. this is the team I want to be a part of. 
Head coach Brandon Gilliam and his goalie star Chris Jenkinson are on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, let's just say hypothetically that BYU matches up with the NCAA national champion in, in any of those teams over the last three years. How do you feel like you would stack up against any of those three teams that have, that have hoisted that trophy? Let's just say that the way teams play us is the way we'd have to play them. We're a good team, but matching up with your top ten is a different place. Um, and so I, we go in the spring and we play against really good teams, but that top ten group is a little bit different, and you would see us play a little bit more of a defensive, less offensive. Okay. And we'd have to hold them. We'd have to have the same mentality that our opponents usually have against us. Can we hold on to a zero and maybe get something at the end of this? So, so the men's soccer has been an extremely successful club. When you played, and, and I got involved with men's soccer here, you were in the Premier Development League, essentially like the single A kind of yeah. rookie league of, of you know, uh, soccer in the United States in that tier structure. There's not, like a, there's not like another step for BYU, right, to where you can challenge yourself in another way? Like, is this where you're going to be for the foreseeable future? Because the PDL, when you played, you guys were good. 06 yeah. and 07 PDL was, was awesome. incredible. And it was the competition that yeah. really excited us, but the time frame for a college program was really bad. Playing May, June, and July, it just wasn't a good setup for us. And, like, the 30-year-old Mexican dude <laughs> against these BYU kids, it was like a weird setup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... like He's like uh, out of shape, but still got the footwork. Right. Like it was fun. So, I mean, it's nice now. You can go say, hey, our first home opener is against Utah. That excites people, mm -hmm. right? But we'd say, hey, our first opener is against Fresno Fuego. And everybody's like, Fresno State? Sorry, who? Right? Orange County Blue Star? Yeah. Who's that? But these teams yeah. are producing players into the MLS. They're yes. fantastic teams, but nobody has any clue who they are. So the flip side is competition's lower, but the excitement behind the games is a lot higher because mm. people know who they are, sure. yeah. right? So it helps out a lot. But as far as stepping stones to something else, there's just nothing we can do in a college program. I mean, there are hopes and talks that uh, the collegiate, collegiate club is actually massive. There's 450 men's teams. Oh, that's there's huge. There's 350 women's teams. It's a wow. really big organization. Yeah. Now, if U.S. soccer could step in and say, hey, we want to run this and let's run it professionally mm. and put rankings and let's get everything, mm. then I think it could make a little bit of a shift nationwide to something a little bit bigger. But as it stands, like we're just going to go make the best program we can every year and wherever they want to put us will be a great program no matter what. Awesome. Success is difficult. Sustained success is is the real challenge, and you've yeah. done that. Congratulations Thank you. to you, Brandon, and you, Chris. Amazing another stuff. one. An, an, that's right, DJ Khaled. Let's, let's go. go. Let's I go. can't name another line he's ever said, but I know that one. We're building up some hate, I'll tell you that. Every time we show up, there's, you go to the finals, and every single team comes just to cheer for us to lose. That's, that's, that's when you know you're good. Yeah. That's when you know you're good. Every team it. we play, they, it's the national championship for them. So yeah. we yeah. always got to come out with our heart on the sleeve. And well, way to yeah. send them home disappointed. Hey, those yeah. teams don't have a 6'8 keeper. No, they I don't. I can tell you Helps. that much. Helps. Let's yeah. go. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks. you guys. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Parody on parody. It is time for the Big 12 Roundup. We move this conversation back over to the big board to appropriately tackle 
each of the games in the regular season finale for the Big 12 Conference. Hopefully this isn't the last time we're doing this. Jerem, I, I couldn't agree more. Hopefully we're doing it one more time in a bowl game scenario. Maybe we'll just do it just because. Okay, first game, TCU Oklahoma, Oklahoma by nine and a half. This game's actually being played as we speak, uh, kicked off already. Uh, who you got in this one? Well, we made our picks before the game, yes. just to be clear, yes. right? I got Oklahoma, they're I, at home. I did too. There was a wake-up call last week against BYU. TCU's terrible on the road this year. Oklahoma all the way. Dylan Gabriel starting, by the way. That makes a big had, difference, had, too. Had an injury, short week, still good to go. Okay. Texas Tech at number seven, Texas, with the Longhorns playing for their spot in the Big 12 championship game. 13 and a half point favorite are the Longhorns. Who are you taking here? Uh, I have Texas Tech covering this one. Uh, Texas just six and five against the spread this year, and so uh, give me the Red Raiders to cover here. I like Texas at home. Again, I think because of what's on the line here today. And I don't trust Texas Tech nearly as much on the road as I do with the Red Raiders playing on their home field. So I'm actually going to take Texas in the points. Good for you. All right. Houston at uh, UCF. Big favorite, 13 and a half. Is there a more bipolar team in the Big 12 than Houston is, especially when it comes to home and road contests? Houston at home, scary deal. Houston on the road, meow. I'm going UCF to cover here. Uh, big number, Houston has lost three or four against the spread, but give me Houston to cover wow. on the road. Donovan on the Smith, road. let's go. Wow, okay. West Virginia, an 11 point favorite at Baylor. The Mountaineers trying to get to eight wins on the season. Okay, Baylor is three and eight against the spread. This is my super pick. Give me West Virginia to get to eight wins. You have chosen wisely. In the words of the, uh, the knight in Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade. I thought that was Dumbledore, I'm going to no, be honest. No. <laughs> <laughs> you have chosen wisely. It sounds very yes. similar. <laughs> I, I got West Virginia as well. Yeah. Go Mountaineers. Let's go. Okay, Kansas, seven-point favorite on the road at Cincinnati. Jayhawks looking for their first eight-win season since 08. Well, guess what? It's going to happen because Cincinnati's terrible. Cincinnati is. And seven points doesn't seem like that much. I, I don't know. Do, do the odds makers know something we don't know about Kansas? Because this, for me, is my super pick. Kansas, Kansas against a, a really bad Cincinnati team. Kansas has lost the last two by three and four points, respectively, at home. I think they're going to be feisty on the road and get a big win. Yeah, for sure. All right, Iowa State. Interesting matchup here. Cyclones this is Armageddon, really, dude. Cyclones are really good on defense. I love the name of it. Kansas game. State has been gangbusters at home. Yeah. They're a 10-point favorite against Iowa State. You yep. taking Kansas State or Iowa State with the points? I have Iowa State to cover. They've covered five of the last seven. They've at least done that. I believe in the Wildcats. Again, they're, the Wildcats are hanging on to any sort of they're hope that they can get into well, the Big yeah. 12 championship game, too. So I feel like... The motivation factor and Manhattan's just a brutally tough place to play. Like, I so I'm, I'm gonna take the Wildcats. Here. I've never personally played there, but you tell me. And BYU at Oklahoma State, 16 and a half points. Dog for the Cougs. I understand the line because BYU's offense has been really, really lackluster, but based on last week, it's like, man, really, it's still 17 points. Because maybe because BYU's been so bad on the road too. Uh, we get paid by BYU. They sign our check. Jeremy, I'm going, have, I'm going with BYU. We have yet to go against Brigham, and we will continue to not go against Brigham, okay? <laughs> BYU. From covered. out of the shadows into the light. From within the shadows. We stand with BYU. Of the everlasting hills. May touchdowns be with you this day and always. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Now we turn to prop picks within the game. Yep. Of between BYU and Oklahoma State. Okay. Colton Potter. 
What do you have for us? Prop pick number one. No, we just oh, wait, it. we were doing it. Sorry, my apologies. We've had Colton on the show so much this week. Just used to Colton. I'm just used to Colton, like, how, hey, chiming in. Colton, how are your shoulders from carrying the program? <laughs> okay. Over under 16 and a half completions for Jake Retzloff. I'll go over. I think BYU will hopefully, really? hopefully be able to run the ball, but I could sense that maybe BYU like trails a little bit and needs to throw a little more. Rainy game. It's going to be ugly. BYU's going to need to run more. They got a running quarterback. I'm going under 16 and a half completions. More rushing yards. Ellie Gordon or Brigham? BYU, and this is a hope, this is me taking this on pure hope, that BYU can rush for what Oklahoma State has typically given up, which is over 170, and that the Cougars can hold Ali Gordon III under 170. Ali averages 27 more yards than BYU, but I have BYU okay. as well. All right, which or what will be the turnover margin? BYU positive for the first time in quite a while, even, or BYU loses the turnover yeah, battle? This one I'm going to like actually say what I think think for real, 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 okay. real, BYU's going to be negative. Okay. I hope they're positive. They have to if they're going to cover and compete, but uh, I think BYU ends. Yeah, my picks are primarily based on, okay, this is the only way BYU can actually win the game. Positive. BYU's positive I, in the I turnover would, margin. I would normally do that, but I did not know. Uh, which team will win the coin toss? Oklahoma State. Uh, I'll say BYU. <laughs> I did have Oklahoma State, but I'll pick a different one. Just <laughs> no. How long into the game will the first touchdown be scored? Closest to the pin wins. 6.50 on the clock first quarter. That is hilarious. I think I said seven minutes into the game. We're that close. We never so talk about this. It's like the same thing. Okay, so I'm taking it at eight minutes in the first quarter. You got it at 6.50 on the clock. What team do you think needs to win more over the weekend? Is it BYU women's soccer in the Elite Eight to get to another college cup? Or is it BYU football snapping a four-game losing skid, avoiding the five-game skid to close the season and getting bowl eligible? This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's time to play Know the Foe Oklahoma State Edition. Colton Potter, what do you have for us as we try and guess how much we know about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State? I know that. Okay, we'll have to rapid fire these ones, but we'll start with this. Oklahoma has the highest concentration of tornadoes per square mile anywhere in the world. How many tornadoes a year go through Oklahoma? 50, 60, 70, or 80? Who's answering? Uh, let's go with you, Jeremy. And we love to be <laughs> What was it, 50, 60, 70, or 80? Um, let's go, let's go 70. I know not. Oh, Yay! 70. Okay, rapid fire. Jerem's up one zip, let's go. All right, Mike Gundy is the second longest tenured coach in college football. Who is the next closest of any Big 12 coach currently in the Big 12? Oh, yeah. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, Kalani at BYU, Chris Kleiman, Kansas State, or Dana Holgerson at Houston? I'm gonna go Chris Kleiman, Kansas State. Oh, is it Matt Campbell? I think, hold on, I get answered. I think it's Matt. It is Matt yes. Campbell. Would have accepted two answers, Matt Campbell or Kalani oh, Satake, both, both the same okay. season. Okay. Okay, we'll finish with this. Lottie, I won! I Lottie won! Williams, an Oklahoma resident, Let's is the go. only person who has ever done what? Female to play football for Oklahoma State, been hit by space trash, been stu struck by lightning seven times, what? or won the lottery 30 times. 30? No way. Come on. I'm going to go been hit Wait, by space trash. Wait, is it my trash. turn? Is it? It's my turn, right? I say space trash. What do you say? <laughs> space 
<laughs> it's space trash. What? what is that? What is space trash? You'll have to stick around and find out after the show. <laughs> what? Floating what nonsense. What is this? Floating nonsense. Uh, <laughs> all right, our question of the day. What? Lottie Williams? In the traditional Thanksgiving meal, which BYU team represents which food on the table? And our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Sarah Bobo on X. Turkey is football. It's the yeah. center of attention, and most people like it. Pies are men's basketball. Almost everyone likes it, and it is the life of the party. Rolls are women's soccer. Everyone likes them, and they do not disappoint. Okay. That's not, great submission. Not, not enough volleyball for me here. Not, not, not enough volleyball. Today's Rise is Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Why don't we give it to all the people behind the scenes that help these BYU teams travel during the holidays that, in many cases, are away from their family? That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.